Morning Bucks fans. How's everyone doing? Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And as always, this is where we take your questions. So if you have questions for us, if you're not already watching on the Facebook page, head on over there and leave them in the comments section underneath our live video. And as we give people a chance to do that, I figured we would start with uh, a little bit of the news from this week. Uh, Ross Cockrell, cornerback, was re-signed. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on the contributions we saw from him. He's, he's a guy that isn't necessarily one of the most recognizable names on the team, but ended up playing a, a pretty big role last season. Yeah, I think it was very telling at the end of the year without even being prompted. Um, Jason Light, I think this was around the beginning of the playoffs. Jason Light uh, was just talking about how the season went and acquiring players along the way. And, and he said, Ross Cockrell was one of the best pickups they made all year. And it was really kind of an under the radar thing. Uh, beginning of September, just a, we put him on the, that, you know, that expanded practice squad. And at the time we had rookie Parnell Motley on the active roster. And after a couple of weeks, I think it just became obvious, obvious to him on the practice, on the practice field that Cockrell was, should be playing. So they kind of switched those two and then Parnell Motley ended up getting signed elsewhere, but Ross Cockrell stayed on the roster the rest of the way. And while there were times where he didn't play for a bunch of games in a row, when he was needed, he stepped in very well. He played well in the slot. He played uh, a little bit on the outside as well and ended up through the playoffs getting almost 300 snaps on defense. And when he was out there, you know, the defense didn't suffer. When guys like Carlton Davis was missing a little bit of time, the defense didn't suffer. It, I think the thing they really liked about him was he really grasped the defense well and was generally where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. So, you know, I think that's the first thing coaches look for is do they understand their assignments and are they in the right place? Yeah, that's every coach's dream, right? Not having to, to yell and scream at the guys it's to be the in the starting room. point, at least, for sure. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, we had a question from Logan saying, do you think Giovanni Bernard is going to be a good veteran halfback to help Lenny and Rojo develop to be even better? Uh, so we know that there has not been official news about Giovanni Bernard, but there is a press conference with him happening uh, this afternoon. So uh, I thought yeah. it is that we can we can chat about this question here. Yeah, I would think so. I would think at this point, uh, Buck fans... Uh, can see the pattern there, you know, the Buccaneers as a team, and that includes our, the, us as an arm of the team, don't officially announce anything until the paper is signed. So you're generally going to see the news before it's officially announced by the team. But the fact that they've scheduled a Zoom call with him for 2.30 afternoon, 2.30 in the afternoon today is a pretty good sign that that is a, a, uh, that's a good and correct uh, report that the Buccaneers are signing running back Giovanni Bernard, who spent his first eight seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, um, you know, first of all, if you just look at it as a one-for-one, LaShawn McCoy has not been re-signed. Giovanni Bernard now basically takes that spot. And the Bucs didn't end up needing a lot from LaShawn McCoy last year, as it turned out, because Ronald Jones was very good throughout the offseason, I mean, the regular season, and Leonard Fournette stepped up in a big way. And a few times they used Keyshawn Vaughn. So that fourth running back last year wasn't needed. You can't count on that always happening, though. They're, they may need him more, or they may want to carve out a little bit of a role for their fourth guy um, because he was active on some occasions. So on most occasions, I would say. So, you know, the best thing about Giovanni Bernard that I would say is that he's, he's been a very good pass catcher throughout his career. And that wasn't something that was a real big strength of the Buccaneers backfield last year. Leonard Fournette had some good moments there. Uh, Ron Jones really didn't get involved in the passing game very much. We still don't know about Keyshawn Vaughn other than that great touchdown catch that he made. But um, I think right there, you could see that, Bernard might have a chance to be a little bit more involved than our fourth running back was last year. And, and certainly there's plenty of time to figure that out. Okay. Uh, Jermaine asked, do you see us picking up any more free agents before the draft or the season? 
Yeah, before the Bernard signing, I've been seeing that question a little bit in mailbags and so on. And I, I did think there were going to be one or two, I think what you'd call value signings. And I don't mean that to be derogatory to the players at all. It's just that you get to this point in free agency and there's still some useful players out there, but they're not going to command big contracts. And that's probably, that's reportedly the case with Giovanni Bernard. It's a value signing for the Buccaneers. So I could see one or two more of those, but there's really not a lot of room for it. You know, we brought everybody back. We're going to be adding six or seven draft picks and some undrafted free agents after that. But I mean, you look at any season and there are signings that happen along the way. Um, you know, just like last year, Leonard Fournette, guys, you know, guys that came on a little bit late. Um, it, so, yeah, I could see it happening, but it's pretty hard to predict who that would be. And then, of course, we've had about a thousand people asking about Antonio Brown and the status of that, the likelihood of him being re-signed and, and the implications either way for the team. Well, I guess I'd, I guess I'd piggyback on what I just said about this being the time of free agency when you're talking about value signings. And that may be what we have here. And and. I don't want to speak for Jason Light or any of our people doing their contracts. This is just theoretical speculation, not telling you what's happening. But um, if you're at the stage of free agency where you're talking about guys signing kind of value contracts, it may be that that's what the team is, is hoping for. And that's what they see as the right thing to do. Um, and maybe the player doesn't agree with that. You know what I'm saying? He's still looking for a certain number and the Buccaneers have a certain number and they're just not meeting in the middle at the moment. Um, I know that Jason Light has said there have been some offers made. So uh, it's obviously, I would assume that means it's not what he's looking for at this point, but we're just going to have to see in the end who, who has the right, not the right position, but who ends up having the correct position. You know, is, is he a player that's going to sign for this much or is he a player that some team is going to give this much? And I'm sure, you know, he'd like to find out if that latter is true. Right, for sure. Um, Mike asked a very interesting question. He said, with the 17-game season, do you think the league might expand roster size or at least let a couple more players dress on game day? And I think we talked about some of these different rules because of COVID that happened with like the IR and you know all of that stuff that now do you see some of the same things that were done to help with COVID may be implemented because of the 17-game season? Yeah, I've been very interested to see what the final ruling on all those rules are, how many of them they keep. I know the teams, the coaches really like them. And that would actually basically serve the purpose of what this questioner is asking you, you know, because we did essentially have several or extra roster spots last year, just having a 16 man practice squad pretty much took care of that issue. I mean, if you look at the comings and goings on the, on the roster last year, compared to previous years, there were a lot fewer guys coming and going, you know, you had your, a couple guys, AQ Shipley and, and, um, and, Antonio Brown and so on, but you didn't have a lot of the roster churn you usually see because you had 16 guys in your practice squad. So you had 69 guys essentially every week to choose from because you could elevate two of those guys if you wanted to every week. So just having all those and, and the ability to move them up and down and the ability to move up and down from IR um, after just three weeks with anybody you wanted to, that gave you basically the flexibility that you needed to get through COVID and would do the same thing for a 17 game season. And I'm certainly not one to downplay the uh, significance of that. I think it's a big deal to add a 17th game and, but it is just one more game we're talking about. And I think getting through the COVID situation last year was probably more difficult than one more game. So same rules would probably help quite a bit. Right. Uh, of course, we've had uh, people ask us if the retired Julian Edelman uh, would be contemplating coming to the Buccaneers, which I mean, 
you know, to people's credit, you know, Bruce Arians was retired. Gronk was retired. There seems to be a pattern here of guys thinking that, you know, hey, the Buccaneers may be worth coming out of retirement, especially if they maybe some of these guys with the Patriots. So I understand why everybody's asking that, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, what you think the odds would be of Edelman becoming a Buccaneer. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious to connect the dots there. That was happening even before he retired. Um, and uh, I can see the logic in it. And after last year, I don't want to discount any of those kind of theories. You know, I mean, at one point, the idea of Gronkowski coming out of retirement and joining us seemed like, okay, sure, whatever. And then that happens. And Leonard Fournette cuts, gets cut. Should we sign Leonard Fournette? I don't know if we really need it. Then that happens. So certainly don't want to discount any of it. But one thing to point out is, the Bucks' best slot receiver is Chris Godwin. And I don't know if you really, if slot receiver is the number one thing the Buccaneers need to add. At the moment, the one player that they haven't had back from last year was Antonio Brown, who was more of an outside guy. Um, so I don't know if the, but then again, who knows what the situation is going to be like in November or December, you know, I knock on wood, hopefully not, but there could be injuries uh, or other developments that, that make it, you know, make it more palatable to do that. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like the perfect fit. But if, you know, if Tom Brady wants him, it's hard to say no. <laughs> Apparently, it is very hard to say no to Tom Brady. That is true. Okay. Um, I thought this was an interesting question. Richard asked, uh, since we don't have any glaring needs to the draft, would it be better to trade out of the first round since we're basically drafting for depth and special teams? So do you agree with that sentiment and in terms of what we are looking for in the draft and then that trading down would be the best way to do it? Yes, I agree with that sentiment. I don't know that it'll necessarily happen because it takes two to tango. You got to have somebody that really wants to move up um, at that moment. But I think that Jason Light will definitely be keeping his ears open for that type of opportunity. Uh, absolutely. If, you know, the, the one negative to trading down from, from 32 is that if you trade down from 32, you're, you're necessarily trading out of the first round. And if you take a player in the first round, you get that useful fifth-year option on his four-year contract, and that's only for first-rounders. So you lose that on whichever player you take. Uh, so if you were if you were saying should we move down two or three spots might not be worth it you could probably get the same guy three spots later but then you don't have that fifth year option but if you're talking more like you get to the end of round 32 and there's seven or eight guys that you like and you can trade down 10 or 12 spots i think it makes a ton of sense on the other hand and we're, we'll probably talk about this a little bit in our road to the draft this week the bucks the fact that the bucks don't have a lot of glaring needs look at it another way if you have, I think we have seven draft picks. If you have seven draft or maybe eight, eight draft picks, um, are all, do you have room on your roster for eight guys to make the team? Do you really need to take eight guys? So uh, you could look at it either way and say, we don't really need to add more assets. Maybe you could use some of that to trade up a little bit if there's a guy that you like. But uh, to get back to the original question, I'm a big fan in this situation of trading down a little bit. Yes. Okay. Uh, and we'll close with this. Anthony said, what do you see happening with OJ Howard this year? Well, I just... What I hope to see is him get a little better luck in terms of injuries. I don't think that this is a situation of a player being injury prone. They all seem pretty fluky to me, particularly the first two ankle injuries. I mean, an ankle injury is like, okay, you stepped wrong and turned your heel, right? I mean, I don't know. The Achilles one is maybe a little bit different, but I'm just, I don't have seen any reason why he should, we should worry about him more than any other player getting hurt. So let's say he has better injury fortune this year. I think you're going to see a very productive player 
and, and a lot of good use in two tight end sets with Rob Gronkowski. Uh, and we were seeing that in the first four games last year. He was off to a really nice start, looked really good before his injury. And Bruce Arians was talking about him the other day and just said, the sky's the limit. I mean, remember, this was a guy the Bucks were absolutely thrilled, fell to 19 to them. Nobody expected that. They thought he might be a top 10 pick in the draft that year. And I mean, that's because he's, he's got, he's so talented, you know, I mean, he's just, he's huge and fast and talented and he can get down the seams. He can make catches over guys. I think the, there's a ton of potential for him to have a big season if he just gets that better injury fortune. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And again, like Scott said, we're going to be shooting a road to the draft. So if you want even more draft coverage, make sure you check that out and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 